Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be a great new series that we're doing called The Journey, and we are just learning more about, like, how do we walk with Jesus in this journey through life? And so who's speaking today? Well, not me. We have four (laughs) amazing people up here. I'm just introing them, and I'll be wrapping up, but I'm really excited. Four people today, seven minutes each, and it's all shaped around this question. What is one thing that has been the greatest help or struggle in your personal journey with Jesus. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Mandy, and I have been with City Life for a few years now, um, and I'm so incredibly excited to be up here today. Um, So although I may not know you personally, um, like JD said, if you have kids in kindergarten or older, chances are I lead them either in Voltage or with our amazing CLY team. Um, I'm so grateful for all the kiddos, so thank you for them, and to everyone else, I'm excited to meet you. Yeah. Take a breath here. Okay. So in Voltage, I am usually the communicator or the person speaking over the kids, um, but I've never actually spoken in grown-up church before. So uh, that being said, uh, I trust, I hope and trust that all of you are able to sit still a little longer than my usual audience. Yes? Solid. Okay. So before we go into this, I'm going to be talking about pride. So I'm calling it check yourself before you wreck yourself. I hope you guys are ready for it. So here are three things you should know about me before we kind of get into it. So one, I am an extremely competitive person. Uh, I grew up playing all the sports. I've always loved a little competitive spirit. Um, Even if no one is around, I will find a way to compete with myself. And yes, I'm an only child. Um, Two, I have what I consider to be the best job in the world. I work and manage an ice cream shop. So yes, that means I get lots of free ice cream. Uh, I have kids and grown-ups always excited to see me, and I always come home smelling like waffle cones, or so I've been told. (laughs) And lastly, I absolutely hate asking for help. Anybody else here? Yeah, I got a story for you. Okay, so now at work, we make waffle cones. Um, And these, we make our waffle cones fresh every day, and we make them using this dry batter mix. So one day, we get a delivery of about 15 bags of this dry waffle batter mix. Um, each, of these, each of these bags weigh about 20 pounds, so like 10 kilograms each, so about 20 pounds. And they're super awkward to carry. But like I said, um, like I said before, you know, I'm competitive and I don't ask for help. So naturally, I decide to unpack this entire order of 15 bags by myself. Uh, even though help was offered, mind you, but I said no, I got it. Um, I also try to carry four bags of batter down a flight of stairs, um, which is a bag or two more than I comfortably and usually carry down a flight of stairs. Um, already you can kind of see where this story is going. So uh, here I am. I'm on my third or fourth trip downstairs, I'm feeling pretty good about myself because, hey, I'm lugging like 80 pounds of batter down a flight of stairs and I'm killing it. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so strong. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm halfway down the stairs at the last load, and I'm like, wow, I can't wait to tell my team about how strong I am and how I delivered, like, this whole, this whole thing. Wow, I'm thinking about it. 
when it happens. My arms give out. And yeah, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I did the latter, I wrecked myself. The batter falls, I fall. It's a complete mess. Like, I kid you not, everywhere. My body was thankfully unharmed, but my pride took a hit. It took me almost an hour to clean it, by myself, mind you. But did I ask for help? Of course not. Because if I'm unwilling to accept help initially, why would I ask for it when I need it? Yeah. What was even worse, I tried to hide my mess. Like I actively told my coworkers to not come downstairs. <laughs> why do you need the broom? Ah, uh, don't worry about it, the basement just needs a sweep. You know, my, my mess, my clean, my secret. It was awful. If pride is a form of selfishness, then boy, was I guilty of it. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Had I read that verse earlier, it may have saved me a lot of cleanup. <laughs> have you ever been selfish? Let your pride get in the way, not ask for help? Hiding your mess or personal struggles? I was so caught up in keeping my pride and my image intact that I made my life so much more difficult. My pride caused my mess, my pride made the cleanup so much longer, and my pride made me dishonest towards my coworkers. My pride. Although you may not relate to spilling batter everywhere, pride can get in the way of a lot of things. Learning from one another, new opportunities, relationships, whether that's friendships, marriage, or family. God, pride can be a huge obstacle in your relationship with Christ. Pride is something I've always struggled with. It's an uphill battle, and if I'm being honest, I'm not even a third way there. I'm in constant battle, but I have an amazing God who has given me tools and people and himself to help me. I just have to get over myself. How do I do that? It's be with Jesus. And this, sorry, this is where my inner voltage leader is going to kick in, so just bear with me. Be with Jesus. Spend time with him daily. Pray. Read your Bible. Find beauty in his creation. We need a constant relationship with him. He's not an ATM. It's not transactional. Like any relationship, you need to be willing to put in the work. Become like Jesus. Be gracious. Jesus accepted help. He surrounded himself with people that loved and cared for him for a reason. He washed the feet of others. He constantly honored others without hesitation. Can you say you do the same? Three, carry on the mission of Jesus to his world. Pride can get in the way of others seeing God's nature through you. We are to be disciples in his name, lights in the world. But no one can see that if your ego is blocking his glory. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. We must kneel, oh sorry, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. We are not greater than God. We must kneel and submit and humble ourselves before the king of kings. You cannot help yourself. Your arms will give out. Your legs will give out. Your spirit will give out. There will be a mess. There will be shame. And there will be a cleanup. It's life, and life gets messy. The great news is, he wants to help you. So let him. You, um, whether if it's being, oh yeah, let him do the checking so you don't do the wrecking. So whether it's being a reminder that, you need, that we need to ask for help and also accept it, he's there. When we hide our mess with shame and embarrassment, he's there. He sees. He sees it all. When our mistakes have created a huge mess, he's there with a broom in hand. He's ready to help. When our mistakes have created, oh, he is there. All we have to do is ask. So you don't need your pride. You need God. So check yourself before you wreck yourself.
I'm watching the time because I was told as soon as I start talking, it'll start counting. <laughs> um, I have to stick to my script here, otherwise I don't move on quick enough. Um, but I've chosen today to talk about my greatest struggle in my personal journey with Jesus. And my greatest struggle has been my attitude toward knowledge, or more generally, pride. I would say this has been the greatest source of spiritual battle for me, both in things I wrestle with God over and in things that give a foothold for the enemy. So to understand the issue, I have over 30 years of tradition and learning from society, family, friends, church, media, social media, all of the inputs to my life have contributed to a lens through which I see the world. So you can imagine it like my glasses, if my lenses had tiny little layers of everything I've ever encountered. And when I put those on, I see the world a particular way because of the way the lens is formed. So this worldview, I apply to everything I encounter so that I can understand it and turn experience into knowledge. Everybody does that. But the issue is that I allow my pride to make up little lies about that. Things like, I understand things the right way. Or, my interpretation's always correct. Maybe if you see things differently through your lens, you need to wipe your lenses. <laughs> <laughs> the danger here is that I'm allowing my worldview to decide what's true. And I'm allowing the order in which I learn things to tell me how to understand them. The order matters because, remember, my glasses are only my past experiences. And that's how I'm learning current experience. So if I learn things in the wrong order, my worldview is going to be skewed. But I allow my specific interpretation of facts to become the authority on all matters in my own mind. The ultimate issue here is what we give primacy or ultimate authority to. Am I allowing my tradition and knowledge to be the authority over God so that he has to conform to my worldview? Or do I allow God to be the authority of knowledge? I'm comforted to know that I'm not the first person to encounter this struggle. Matter of fact, we can see it in the Bible, and we see it first early in Genesis. God's just finished making the garden, and he's made everything beautiful. Adam and Eve, they're enjoying the place. And then in Genesis 2:17, he tells them, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will certainly die. When I read this, I usually remove the bit about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? The important parts that there's something they can't eat and the rest is fine. Um, but if we take out the specific part about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're left with this situation where God's just testing his creation, where he's just made everything perfect and he's starting to wonder, will they obey me? So let's just give them a random fruit that they can't eat. And if they do, we'll kill them. <laughs> I think something bigger is actually happening here. And the serpent says something really interesting later in Genesis. In Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5, he says, You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it's that last bit, that we'd be like God, knowing good and evil, that I think really well describes the unhealthy relationship I have with knowledge that knowing makes me the ultimate authority. Knowing something makes me like God. I'm able to decide or discern what is true without relying on God or his wisdom and allowing him to have that place of authority. 
This is something that I still struggle with sometimes. But, and I could talk about this for a long time, but the Bible does offer some really helpful instructions. You know, this is a challenge that Paul was well aware of. I like to imagine that he was struggling with this at the same time. But in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, he writes, We demolish arguments and every pretension, or in another translation, every lofty and proud opinion that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's a lot to what he's saying here, but I think the idea of taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ is the part that I really struggle with. And if I put that in terms of my struggle and the way that I've come to understand it, I think maybe we could say something like, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ is to allow his lens to form the way that we see the world. And that can't happen without first acknowledging and accepting that there's something wrong with my lens, that his lens is formed through all knowledge and mine isn't. And so to approach Christ and all knowledge with humility, to recognize that I can be wrong, and even the way that I read the Bible can be wrong, but that doesn't make the Bible wrong. <laughs> so I want to clarify for a second. I see I've got just over a minute. And I know that I can be misunderstood often when I talk about something like this. So I want to spend a second clarifying what I'm saying versus what I'm not saying. What I am not saying is that we should disregard any experience or facts that challenge us. Things that challenge our worldview are extremely helpful. This is how we grow. But it's about the attitude with which we approach knowledge and things that challenge us. What I am saying is that we have to allow the knowledge and wisdom of God to be the lens through which we interpret all knowledge and experience. And that's all I have. Um, I'm just going to reintroduce myself. My name is Shana. If you don't recognize me, I'm usually right here with a mic stand and a guitar in front of me. So when you see me, or I'm running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth up there doing camera. So <laughs> um, as JD said, I am a new teacher. I graduated in April, which has been like a dream come true, lifelong uh, drive. I've always known that I was gonna be a teacher. It's been great. So thank you for the round of applause. <laughs> um, so super quick story. Um, I started subbing after I graduated from university. And the first day of subbing, I was put in a grade five class. And so anyone who knows grade fives knows they can be a little bit challenging at times. Uh, <laughs> so the morning's going great, everyone's getting done their work, they're doing their assignment, everything's great. And I'm sitting down at lunchtime eating my snack and I'm like, yeah, I can totally do this, this is great. No issue, smooth sailing. And then the vice principal walks in the door. Um, and he comes up to me, he's like, I don't know if we've met yet. And, um, I'm the vice principal here. Have you noticed uh, anyone missing in your class? No. 
did you take someone out for like chatting with them or something? He's like, no, no, no. We got a call from this student's mom. He went home, just up and left. Like, asked to go to the bathroom, was gone. And I'm like, what? I thought I was doing great. I thought I was thriving here. Everyone was doing their work. Everything was fine. And no, no, I lost a kid on my first day of teaching. <laughs> not great. Kid's fine. Everything's fine. I'm not in trouble. I wasn't fired from that school division. Everything's good. Um, but one thing that we learned or that I learned is that when this kid is struggling, he goes home. He goes to the place where he's comfortable and where he is, feels safe. So I have a question for you. Where do you go when you are struggling? Good. What have you made your comfort place? A lot of the time, we run to worldly things. We run to the things that make us comfortable in this world because of our physical needs and what we think we need when we should actually be making God our comfort place. 100%. So Psalms 46, 1 to 3, NLT, says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. So refuge is defined as a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. And this verse is telling us that God is our refuge and strength, and that's where we should be going to. So we are often tempted to go straight to the world when we're struggling, right? We go empty that a pint of ice cream. <laughs> we, um, we go gossip. We go tell our moms about what happened at school. Um, we sometimes turn to alcohol or drugs because it makes us feel good and it makes us feel comforted. But that's not what we need to be doing. We need to go to God. And that has been one of my struggles is I rely on the earthly things like everyone does. I love eating my pints of ice cream <laughs> when I'm feeling sad or alone or scared. Or I run to my husband and be like, hey, comfort me. Woe is me. I'm so, I'm so wrong done by. And we forget sometimes that the ultimate goal of the enemy is to drive a wedge between us and God. That is the goal. Draw us away from God. And he succeeds when we do go to the world instead of God immediately. Running to the world is distancing us from God. So what does that mean exactly? It sometimes means going to God-centered individuals in our lives as well. Like God puts pastors and people who are rich in God's wisdom in our life to help guide us. And that's great. Like I have a lot of friends like that I go to like Jennifer Blackwood and Joy. Like they're amazing people and they're people I feel safe with that lead me to God and what his word is, and what his promises are. 
and also running to prayer. But I understand sometimes you just get crickets. You're like, hey God, I'm struggling with this thing. What do I do? I wish there was just a booming voice, you know? It's like, go talk to this person and make things right because you also hurt them. They didn't just hurt you or whatever it is. So one of the songs, so because I am like music and I play music, I often go to songs and listen to worship songs when I am struggling in life. One of the songs that helped me remind, like help remind me to go to God instead of the world is called Run to the Father by Cody Carnes. Have you heard of that? It's a good song. It's a good reminder. And so I just want to leave that with you. You listen to it. I don't have time to play it for you. Um, in fact, I even considered playing the whole, like writing this whole thing in a song form because I'm more comfortable that way, you know, but didn't happen. Um, Last thing I just want to leave you with, because I have seven seconds left, is Run to the Father. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Sean, and what a privilege it is to be speaking to you today on the journey. I want to start with saying that I'm no theologian. I'm not an expert on the Bible, and I'm certainly no saint. I'm just a guy who loves Jesus and is doing his best every day to be with him, to become like him, and to carry on his mission to the world. And right there, that is the journey. Three short statements sums up what the journey should be. And the cool thing is, it's not a linear journey. You don't have to finish one phase to advance to the next phase. We live each one every day in tandem because they're intertwined. They work together to draw us closer to the Father and the plans that he has for each of us. And the journey is not easy. And I don't think it's meant to be easy. God never said we would live trouble-free lives. In fact, we're told many times in the Bible that we're going to face hardships, trials, persecution. But God will be with us every step of the way. And he can use us wherever we are in the journey. So when, as I, when I was asked to speak today about what has been the greatest help with my journey, I didn't have to think very long. It came to mind right away. The biggest help for me has been through serving. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I wouldn't be the man I am today, or even on the journey for that matter, if I hadn't made the decision to serve in this church. I've learned a great many lessons over the years through my servanthood, by being faithful and present, by taking delight in the serving, even when it was a sacrifice. Serving has given me many tools to keep me focused on the journey and my relationship with Jesus, and as well as given me many benefits. And I'd like to share a few of those, and I'll give you a few F words. The first one is faith. Serving has helped me, without question, grow my faith. James 1.3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So anyone that's been on a team knows that inevitably you're going to face conflict. 
You will have to deal with situations that will test your faith, your patience, your understanding. And there will always be people that you don't necessarily like or even see eye to eye with. But when you are challenged, that's the opportunity to grow and become stronger in your faith. As you need to lean into Jesus to allow him to navigate you through those situations with love and in ways that are always pleasing to him. And then on the other side of the coin, you could be the person that person doesn't like. And hopefully that motivates you to search your own heart and see what's in there. And maybe you can make some positive changes. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. By serving, I've been able to put my faith into action, believing that my contributions mean something, that they're part of God's bigger picture, and they're adding to the growth of the church and to God's kingdom. The second F word is family. Serving has shown me that I belong to a much larger family. And being part of this church family, it's given me a purpose in unity, and that purpose has given me strength to do my part. And through that strength, a sense of fulfillment. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5 say, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So whatever part of the body I am, I want to make sure it's functioning well and contributing to the whole as it was intended. I don't want to be the lazy eye that causes the church not to see. I don't want to be the ingrown toenail that causes the church not to be able to walk. And um, nobody wants to be the zit or the hemorrhoid. I just want to be the best body part that God's called me to be. And to do that, I have to stay focused on Jesus and the journey. Galatians 6.10 says, So seize any opportunity the Lord gives you to do good things and be a blessing to everyone, especially those within our faithful family. Being part of a church family gives you a wonderful feeling of belonging, and you never feel alone. Everyone wants to feel connected to something, supported in their journey, and understood. And because we're part of a church family, it makes it way easier to feel that support and to have that understanding. And the last F word, friends. Through serving in this church, I've made some incredible friendships. And that is so important on the journey. We are not meant to journey on our own. And everyone needs a few close friends that they can trust, they can share their struggles with, they can be accountable to. And of course, you gotta have a little bit of fun with. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I've had to face some pretty hard situations in my life. And I don't want to imagine what those outcomes would have been if I didn't have the friends that I relied on to trust with my ugliness. And they were there for me in some pretty dark places. And always from a place of love. And they always pointed me back to Jesus. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Good friends on the same journey as yourself will always make you a better person, especially the friends that you know really well, the good, the bad, the ugly, because they're always willing to call you on your BS. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. A good friend is always willing to risk telling you the truth, even though it might hurt your feelings. They aren't doing you any favors by agreeing with everything you say or ignoring your wrong behavior. I thank God every day for the friends I've made in this church. Uh, while on this journey, they have been an enormous blessing.
So if you want to journey well, I encourage you, find your place, jump in, and serve. You will be better for it. And in closing, a couple of months ago, I was the recipient of an honor moment, and that was a huge blessing. But I want to return the sentiment. It has been an honor serving this church, and I look forward to many more years of serving and seeing what God will do as we all strive together to journey well. Yeah. God bless you. Uh, I want to just take a moment, and I'm going to invite us to stand up. We're going we're gonna to wrap up with um, just prayer, because every, yeah, you guys, you're welcome to go. Thank you guys so much. And uh, we're just going to take a moment and just pray, because there is power in, in recognizing only God can empower us to do what we need to do. Only God can do that. We cannot do it in our own power. Um, what lenses are we wearing? Uh, how are we handling things? What, what are we carrying and thinking? I, can, I got this all on my own. God wants to be the source of everything. And so I want to encourage us to just close your eyes for a moment. And, uh, you know, this is, we just love to, to take a moment. And everything in this entire morning is building towards this moment. It's a moment where you get to really respond, maybe for the very first time, and saying, Jesus, I know that I can't do this on my own. I, and I don't even want to. Jesus, I'm coming under your lordship and your leadership. And I want to invite you, if maybe maybe you're at a place where you're like, I, I know I need to just hand my life over to Jesus. Not to just invite him in and sprinkle him on my life in certain areas, but to literally just hand my life over to him and say, do what you want with this. Then we're going to pray a prayer all together because we do life together. And we're going to pray. And I want to invite you to just pray after me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing to give it all for me, that you had a bigger picture and a rescue plan. You paid that price on the cross and you came back to life to give us new life. You made a way where it looked like there was no way. And Jesus, in my life, there are ways and there are things that I'm trying to do myself. And I just want to hand it over to you. Jesus, work through me. Be the leader of my life. Be my entire life. Let me be a reflection of you to my world around me. Cleanse me of sin. Give me a new start. I want to run for you on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.